2: Wherever you get your podcasts, thanks for listening.
3: ES Audio.
1: From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Leader. Last September, following the deaths of Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa, the Met Police set up a new online tool to help the public report parts of the capital where they feel unsafe. Today, the Met has revealed it's received more than 3,000 reports of people feeling unsafe through its street safe tool, with almost three quarters of the reports from women, most related to poor street lighting and CCTV coverage. But the Met said there were also reports of men verbally harassing women, which it had tackled successfully by introducing more police patrols in those areas. So, how effective is the street safe tool? and how well does it work to tackle abuse against women and girls. Women's rights activist Patsy Stevenson, known for being pinned to the ground and arrested by police at the Sarah Everard vigil last year, joins me now to discuss this latest release from the Met. So Patsy, first of all, what do you make of this news about the Street Safe tool?
3: I mean, you know, it's it's great that they're looking into things to actually decrease the violence against women and girls but on the other side of things they've not taken into account that more police on the streets doesn't necessarily mean less violence against women and girls because as we know police commit these crimes as well so if you're putting more police on the streets it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be less violence against women and girls
1: and the majority of the reports according to the Mets, relate to things like street lighting and cctv coverage Are these things that you think are beneficial and can make people feel safer?
3: I mean, it can. When I first, um, when the vigil happened, I wrote to Boris Johnson and I received a letter back, not from himself, but from someone else um, who was in charge of the police. Um, And they said they were spending a lot of funding on street lighting um, and CCTV. Now, CCTV and street lighting, it should be there already. These are like basic things that should already be implemented. The things that they need to be doing to instill trust in women and girls is actually to look at their own police force and vet them correctly. And also, I've seen one advert from the Mayor of London, um, not an advert, sorry, but like a campaign video about how to stand up for women and girls if, you know, they had a group of lads that were catcalling a woman on her own on a night out. That was very good at raising awareness. However, I feel like it needs to be pushed more in the sense of it's not just on the street at night when we're being catcalled. It's all the time. It's in the daytime. It's, you know, the conversations that guys are having away from people, you know, about women that are like objectifying them. And this is the start of viewing women as objects. It's a spectrum that they need to be stopping at the start. Like I said, streetlights and CCTV, they do help, but this is a very small thing that they could be doing and they should have been doing it a long time ago.
1: And the narrative has very much moved towards dealing with the cultural issues, as you spoke about there, that lead some men to act like this and abuse women. Since the Sarah Everard vigil, what have you seen, if anything, to address those issues?
3: Almost nothing. We've seen a lot of empty promises. And we've seen a lot of, you know, I know that Priti Patel at one point said she's listening to women and girls. But you know, a lot of women and girls are saying that they don't want the policing bill to go forward. Because the policing bill allows police to have more powers, one of which is a digital strip search that is absolutely abhorrent and shouldn't be necessary when a victim is reporting a crime of um, a sexual crime against them. So you know, all of these government officials are saying, we're listening, we're going to do all this, but they're not listening properly. They're doing things that are like token gestures and again, not fixing the real issue. And the, the shame of it is that at the moment, looking at the, the way that things are going, it's going to take a very, very long time to, one, instill any trust that we have with the police and two, to actually inflict any change on the way that men behave towards women.
1: I'm now joined by Anna Burley from campaign group Reclaim These Streets. So, Anna, what do you make of this latest release from the Met about its street-safe tool?
0: Yeah, I guess I'm not surprised that women report that they don't feel safe, whether it's London or elsewhere in the country. We know that there are some really shocking statistics around things like street harassment and being followed home or feeling like you're being followed home. Um, I think there's a statistic of 97% of women having experienced some form of um, harassment or or sexual harassment in a public space. Um, So that doesn't surprise me um, at all. Uh, And I think the fact that the Met haven't targeted at women, um, but so many women have responded, uh, is quite telling as well.
1: And in terms of measures to tackle abuse against women and girls, where do you think it ranks?
0: When you emailed, I thought I'd have a look at what some local authorities have put out to ask women their views in a sort of place-based way and compare it with trying to report the same experience that I often have in my local area on both. There's a particular betting shop. There's often groups of men outside. They don't necessarily always uh, verbally harass me and other women, but it's really intimidating. It's not about how light it is. It's a main road. It's actually about male behaviour. On the Met Police one, A, it doesn't let me specify that it's a group of men that I, as a woman, find intimidating. And I think that's important because we need to understand when harassment or behaviour that makes people feel unsafe, what its intention is. If it's designed to intimidate women, make them feel unwelcome in public spaces, if there's misogyny behind it, we need to understand that if we're going to tackle it. And the Met one doesn't. I compared it by reporting the same thing on something that has been launched by Lambeth Council the sort of options available to me are really different. And it asked for suggestions on how it could be improved. So it talked about not just things like street lighting and visible police presence, but also activities that empower women, education for men about gender-based violence. And I think that that's a much more nuanced approach to it. And
1: you mentioned the sort of education side of things there.
0: What have you seen charities
1: and groups like Reclaim These Streets doing in terms of education for men and boys?
0: Yeah, I think what's been really heartening has been some um, sort of campaigning work that's being done. Initially, it was being done by Metro mayors, both in Manchester and in London, Um, but there's also now um, content being put out on social media channels by the Home Office that is around calling on men to make violence against women and girls their problem. It's not a women's issue to solve. Actually, it's about men checking the behaviour of other men, having a think about the impact that words and behaviours have on uh, women and girls. And that is really powerful. In London, we've got, instead of it just being Ask Angela signs up in the women's loos, saying that if you feel unsafe, here are some actions you can take. Actually, there are signs up in the blokes loos, saying these are things that you shouldn't do because it makes women unsafe, and you're the problem if you don't call out bad behaviour. In terms of what we're doing, Uh, We're working with an organisation called Shout Out UK. We're delivering consent workshops and classes in schools around the country. Those workshops, as well as understanding what consent means and having some of those hard conversations about what it means, for example, in online spaces. You know, sending a dick pic isn't something that is necessarily covered on your usual sex ed class in schools, maybe. And actually understanding where those behaviours cross a line.
1: So would you say things are now moving in the right direction in terms of that education?
0: I think some of the conversations we're having have changed. And that's been something that's really noticeable over the last sort of 12 months is that I do get fewer people re- responding to tweets or contacting me on, on social media or on email saying that it's not all men and, and sort of accusing me of being a man-hating misandrist. That has lessened. Maybe they've spent their fury or maybe it's that actually the way we're talking about violence against women and girls is helping to change it from being a problem that is just for women and girls to think about and tackle and a problem that everybody sees that they have a role in in dealing with public sexual harassment lots of the comments that the met police will be capturing in their online tool they don't actually give an offer for this behavior makes me feel unsafe but is not technically illegal But that's actually the case for a lot of women's experiences. Being catcalled, wolf whistled, having lewd comments made to you, even being followed home by a guy in his car who's slowed down to your walking speed. As long as he doesn't buy sex off you, he's not breaking the law and it's incredibly scary. So I think, yes, some of the conversations have improved, but no, the big, meaningful, meaty things that need to happen so that a change in conversation translates into a change in experience for women hasn't happened.
1: There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's the leader. We're back tomorrow at 4pm.
2: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delaglio, host of the Evening Standard rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance.